do yourselves a favor and get some of this. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back and it's ready to wear down your defenses with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. The TBC is the voice that you hear presenting a new era, if you will, of the ITC MMA show. No, 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 Joe Rogan, not the Machida era. We're talking about the mixed martial arts tag team of the Brian Campbell and his royal highness, Mohammed King Mo Lawal, who returns this week with a straight shooting style of no punches being pulled. King Mo will join me for a busy show as we recap the MMA fallout from the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor boxing super fight. We'll react to the latest transgression from John Jones. And ponder the idea of Ronda Rousey moving full-time from the UFC to WWE. But before I tag in the good and gracious king, our goal on the In This Corner podcast is that you would leave each show impressed with our performance. I'm not impressed by your performance. So take notice on today's show, and if you hear something that you like, if you see something, say something. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Heck, spread that word on social media using the hashtag InThisCorner. We want you to make the ITC a major part of your weekly rotation. And the help you can provide us in keeping this show growing matters more than you think. But without any further ado, it's time to unleash the king. So enjoy. King Mo back with us again. Muhammad Lawal, my man. We took a week off for Mayweather McGregor. And King Mo, you know, we're coming off SummerSlam. We bounced right back into Mayweather McGregor. It kind of felt like uh, pro wrestling back-to-back weeks, right? It had that crazy cartoon circus feel. Uh, it really did, um, except with the pro wrestling, I feel like people got their money's worth <laughs> in a sense. Well, they certainly got their money's worth at SummerSlam with that violent main event with Brock Lesnar and all that. But uh, as we you know, transition to our lead topic here, Mayweather McGregor, are you suggesting that maybe the payoff wasn't – you know, didn't justify the means in the end because I felt like taking the pulse of the fans' opinion on certainly on social media, certainly from a casual point of view, that more people were entertained by this Mayweather fight than maybe like I don't want to say ever, of course, because that would be a, a slight, a, an untrue slight. But certainly going back three years to like the first Maidana fight, I feel like this is the, the first time people have been really entertained by Floyd. Uh, yeah, because Floyd chose she chose to dumb down his style. He chose to dumb his style down. To please the fans because he knew that Connor had nothing for him. Now I'm starting to notice that fans are starting to like look back and be like, there was no blood. No one got knocked out. Connor didn't throw anything really hard, but we took the uppercut. Did we get hustled? And that's where you see all these videos out saying, look at Connor pulling his punches. Everybody, you know, everybody's going to complain. Once you pay $100 for something, you're going to complain about it regardless of what you get. True. True. There's, there's interesting. I mean, I think when you have, so much money in a single fight when you have two brilliant marketers and businessmen coming from separate sports. There's going to be a natural feeling of am I getting worked? Is this more pro wrestling than not? Uh, it's interesting. I don't think the fight was fixed or any any methods of that. But your idea of Floyd allowing Connor to maybe have more success. There's a lot of people saying, well, Floyd certainly carried Connor later into the fight to make it more of an entertaining package overall. I think you can offset that idea, though. By the idea of saying Floyd was also 40, didn't look like he had his legs comparative to two years ago, wasn't throwing combinations. I don't know if it's much as he let Connor hang around or maybe that was just the pace and style that was going to work for his body at this age. Where do you fit in on that as far as how much Floyd's age played into how this fight played out? Well, 
I, I think it's age, but at the same time, I think it's experience. Um, my boy Alan Green posted something on Facebook. I don't have it on me right now, but uh, he said something to the, to the um, said something like this. He said, "Let me break it down." He said that uh, Floyd fought Connor like he was an amateur. He said when I when he used to spar with amateurs and when most pros fight amateurs, amateurs are, they're full of energy, they're strong, they're young, they're very aggressive. But all you do is you walk them down, you put pressure on them, make them throw throw a lot of punches, make them punch themselves out, make them throw punches to keep you off them, and then you go to their body. And as you go to their body, they get tired and they slow down. And by the time, you know, in, in the amateurs, they, they go about four rounds. But in the pros, they go anywhere from, you know, especially the championship level fights, 10 to 12. So my boy said all you do is walk them down, walk them down, put pressure on them. And then by the time the third round hits, they take over. And if you see, that's all Floyd did. Floyd put so much pressure on Connor. Connor was throwing punches to, to keep Floyd away, and Floyd was going to his body and, and putting a lot of um, a lot of pressure on him. Unlike Floyd, Floyd normally does. Floyd is a pressure fighter to a certain extent, but for the most part, you see him as a counter fighter. Yeah, and you know, and Alan Green and made a good point there on Facebook. He certainly has the experience as a former, you know, middleweight, super middleweight boxer, fought in that Super Six tournament a few years back. Certainly, Floyd relied on the the skills, the knowledge, the IQ that he talked about. One thing that Connor brought up after the fight that, in his opinion, was ultimately his undoing was how poised Floyd was. I think he he certainly thought he was going to come in there and have some sort of success mentally breaking Floyd down, you know, like putting enough pressure on him or doing or exceeding expectations to the point that Floyd would have to alter his style. He said he couldn't believe at how poised Floyd was. My counter to that, Mo, is have you ever seen Floyd fight before? <laughs> the guy's the most unflappable athlete I've ever seen within his own, you know, within the grounds of his own sporting arena. Well, that's just that, but Floyd grew up boxing. You know, he grew up boxing. His dad was a, you know, a world champion or a contender. Jeff was a world champion. His uncle, Roger, was a world champion. He grew up boxing, so he knows boxing. Like, if you notice, Floyd doesn't have a boxing coach. He coaches himself. You know, like, he, he knows the sport in and out, the ins and outs of the sport. He knows everything about the sport. Like, um, why would he not be poised versus a guy that's never fought before in the boxing ring? Now, with that said, I'm going to say this, though. I thought the fight exceeded expectations because, you know, from the boxing hardcore standpoint, which I certainly come from, I was getting to the point leading up to the fight where I'm like, wow, like this is going to be really bad. After that first or second round rush, he's going to get picked apart. He's going to get stopped. It's going to look really bad for him. So Connor's performance exceeded expectations, and because of that, I felt the fight's entertainment value exceeded expectations. And I think it came down to this. The reason why, Mo, is that Connor didn't come out and brawl, which we all expected. We all expected him to take Maidana's game plan and essentially just come out awkward and aggressive. Instead, he came out and tried to box Floyd. And any time people have done that in the past, whether it be Canelo or even Pacquiao, it's been a, a fail proposition. He pulled that off for at least the first three rounds. Were you impressed at all by what he was able to do early? Uh, yeah, I, I'm impressed that he actually, you know, I'm impressed with everything he did, but the same time, he really didn't box for it. He tried to. He did, but a lot of stuff he was doing was like hammer fists, slaps. Like he didn't throw anything with significance. He threw a few good jabs, but they were back fists. Um, he threw in, threw in a, a nice, it was like a, you know, a grazing uppercut that was good. But for the most part, he, uh, I don't know, he 
slapped a lot. Well, that okay, so that's that's a nice transition here. So the the idea coming in was that he was going to have more power, and I mean Dana White really filled weeks and months worth of journalist notebooks by saying this guy's a finisher, he's a devastating knockout puncher. But when he got on, when he put on the eight ounce gloves, Mo, he didn't seem to have any power. I mean, that uppercut made for a good highlight in round one when he caught Floyd underneath the chin. After that, I didn't see any impact on his punches. And as you mentioned, it was almost Joe Calzaghe slap happy in the end. Why did his power not translate from boxing to MMA? What did you see in there? Well, the range. I can't have the range because in MMA, we fight at a, a longer range. And Connor's bigger and longer than most guys, so he can time you to come in and, and keep you, keep you at the end of his punch. Well, in boxing, the range is a lot closer. And you see, if you notice when, even when Floyd was like pressuring him, as Robert Bird broke him up, Floyd was still trying to move forward. And Floyd moved forward with reckless abandonment because he didn't respect anything that Connor threw at him. True. And he had no fear. So all he did was just come forward and, and he just came forward and was like, well, I'm coming forward, I'm coming forward. Right hand to the body, right hand to the body, right hand to the head. No jabs, really. You know, I'm going to go forward. And that's all he did. He, he literally followed Connor around the ring. I told people this on Facebook, not Facebook, but on Twitter. I was like, look, Floyd's going to walk him down behind the high guard. And people like, Floyd's walking him down. Ha, ha, ha. Floyd's a runner. And I'm like, Floyd's facing a guy that's never boxed before. Why would he fear anything? Well, Connor can punch. Yes. But Floyd's face guys that can punch harder. Yes. But they don't want to listen, you know. Um, the, the, the disrespect for boxing was was real because when James Tony fought Randy Couture, I could not find one boxer that would say James Tony had a chance to win. Um, you know, Justin Fortune said James Tony could win if Randy Couture fought him blindfolded. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't find one boxer that gave James Tony a chance. Now, now as far as MMA is concerned, if Floyd were to step in the MMA cage and fight. In the octagon versus, versus uh, Connor, he get killed, and, and, and boxers know that. Now, for for MMA fans that think that Connor had a chance with Floyd in the boxing ring, was just disrespectful to Floyd and boxing in general. So, where does this? Uh, okay, let's get into that disrespect for a second. Why can MMA punch even good MMA boxers? Why do they not punch on the level of even an average boxer? If that's the if that's the comparison we're trying to make there, is it is it about the the footwork and the and the stance and and sit, sitting down on your punches? Why is that different in MMA where you wouldn't have the same power as an average boxer? Well, because in MMA you have to worry about kicks, takedowns, clinching, and everything else. In boxing you used to worry about footwork. Jab, the jabs, and everything, and, and and the punches, you know. But in box, in, in MMA, you throw about the kicks, punches, takedowns. True. So everything gets to be more reactive to any type of movement. Where in boxing, you come forward, you you know, I can be chest to chest with somebody, you know, not chest to chest, but head forehead to forehead with somebody. In MMA, you don't see that that much. Now it's, I have to admit that after the fight ended, even I jumped on the bandwagon to the idea of. Wow, Connor was better than we thought in the boxing ring. He could have a boxing future if he really wanted. And I don't, I don't, I'm not turning from that stance completely because I still think that he showed enough poise 
and ability to adapt that had if he wants to do another big boxing super fight, I think he can do it and I think he can compete. I don't what I'm trying to turn back on is the idea that he could just give up UFC, get into boxing and compete on the elite level. I think we saw skill-wise, technique-wise, that's not true. But I felt like I saw a guy poised enough that if he wanted to do another super fight, even if it's Paulie Malignaggi, which isn't a super fight, but you know, is a fight I think he could compete in and win or even let's say he wanted to chase another big money scenario like against a Pacquiao I feel like if he committed to another fight, he could hang. Maybe not win, but hang. Where are you on the idea if Connor wanted to do this again? How good is he in your eyes? Well, if you're to fight Pacquiao, Pacquiao's a different fighter. He's more aggressive, you know. And, and if he if he folded under Floyd's pressure, Pacquiao is a far more a, a greater pressure fighter. And on top of that, Pacquiao's more active in boxing. Um, Connor should just stick to fighting, you know. Guys that um, have a name and can help help them sell a fight, they're really not boxing at a high level right now. Yeah, Polly. Because could you imagine fighting someone like Errol Spence? No, he couldn't. I mean, that's the bottom. And people are going to be fooled. And I, and like I said, even in the moment, in the moment after that fight, I was like, oh my god, he's you know he's way better than I thought. But then you let it sink in, and you're like, you know, he didn't really have any power. He didn't really have technique after the first few rounds. You're right. Could not go in there against Errol Spence or Keith Thurman. I mean, none of those guys. Triple G, forget it. He's fighting a guy that's been two and a half years out the, out the ring, a guy that's not really a true 147 pounder, not even a true 154 pounder. He's really a 140 pounder that just, that just fights up. And he's fighting a guy that doesn't have one punch power. And he's fighting a guy that's by nature is not a, a, a pressure fighter. Now, does, because of the public's positive reaction to Connor, you know, not getting knocked out in the first couple rounds, and even though he got stopped. It was more of exhaustion. I mean, in, 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 in a rightfully so, because Floyd mentally exhausts you with that pressure, mentally exhausts you with, with forcing you to chase him and try to land on him. Does this in the public side, not in the, not in the boxing expert's eye, not in the King Mo fighter's eye, in the public side, does this sort of elevate Connor to like the level of like combat sports legend that at the very least he was able to go in there against the best boxer of this era and not get embarrassed? Uh, yeah, because the thing is, like, um, yeah, because what most people don't know about boxing. If you think about it, like, yeah, you, when you, when Floyd fought him, Floyd fought him a lot different than most people. You know, um, Floyd fought, Floyd just fight. If you watch play like this, that was the worst fight I've ever seen Floyd fight. You know, um, explain that. Well, <clears throat> he got hit with unuseless, like useless stuff. He didn't fight with a jab, no left hooks. He didn't cut the cut the ring off. He uh, just threw one shot at a time. He really Floyd was. If you look at it, Floyd just sparred pretty much. You know, he didn't play cat and mouse because you know because if you look at most of Floyd fights, he plays cat and mouse. He'll take the lead or play second. But this fight, he just came forward, literally just walked forward. I didn't watch the whole fight. I just watched the first four or five rounds, and then I saw the finish. And he just walked him down and just threw right hands. That's it. Literally followed him across around the ring. Um, I think Connor will be a legend in combat sports because he participated in this event. But if you go back and watch the fight and you watch Floyd's fights and watch this fight, you'll realize like Floyd was out there just playing, you know, just working. True, true. I, I agree with you on that one. Now you look at the finish. I didn't have any problem with the finish at all, the stoppage from referee Robert Bird, because it's under the guise of people already – 
already uh, taken shots at this fight for even be sanctioned, right? So you don't want to leave a guy hanging out to dry while he's exhausted and getting lit up. Now, to Connor's defense of, you know, I wanted to go out on my back, you should have given me a chance to get knocked down, so to, so to speak. He wasn't throwing punches. When you're not throwing punches in boxing, it's smart for the referee to jump in, right? You're not defending yourself. This isn't 1955 where we have to wait for you to get, like, punched through the ropes for the fight to end. Was this just machismo from Connor, or do you believe any of the stuff he tried to say of, like, hey, every fight I sort of take a stamina dip. Let me fight out of that and find my second wind. Well, it was the 10th round, so who's going to find a second win? Um, not just not that, not that the fight shouldn't have been sanctioned, you know, um, but the they changed the rules of, to wear smaller gloves. You know, um, the commission went stupid. They probably pretty sure they talked to Robert Burry and let him know that hey, if you see anything looking weird in this fight, stop it. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to have a Pritch Cologne, Joe McClellan, yes, Mohamed Abdusalamov situation. Um, we're looking after the fire safety, and we're and we're 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 not trying to look bad either. So. If you see him get hit too much or you see his head snap back or anything that looks weird out the, out the ordinary, please stop the fight. And the thing is, I was cool with that. Like, Connor fought, fought, Connor fought best, to, to best of his capabilities, you know. Um, you know, my hat's off to him, man. He, he went out there and did, did the unthinkable. Absolutely. I, I, and that will, you know, like I said, that'll raise his legend in the public eye. That'll get him a lot of respect. It seemed, though, after the fight where the fight week, I'm telling everybody every radio interview I'm doing across the country, they're like, you know, where's Connor going to go after this? And I'm like, you know, win or lose probably goes back to boxing because just the money factor. But when you hear the comments after this fight from Connor and from Dana White, Mo, I got the feeling you know, 90% that his next fight would be in MMA and not in boxing. I got the feeling like they were like, you tried this one-off experiment. You did better than people thought you would. Let's not ruin that. Let's get back in the cage. There's a financial question within that. Can the UFC pay him enough to make that decision? But hearing both sides talk, I felt like he's coming back to MMA next. Where do you stand on that? I'm not sure, you know, because, you know, he he takes time off. Polly's there. In the poly fight, he probably make make more money in the poly fight than he would in MMA. That's true. That's true. So the the one UFC fight Connor talked about, he didn't mention any other names, but the one name he talked about was Nate Diaz, who was in attendance at the fight. He was actually in Floyd's locker room afterwards. He's now talking about that trilogy fight. And if you're the UFC right now and you need pay-per-view sales and now you just lost John Jones, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, you need stars, you need pay-per-view sales, you want Connor star to be around a while, it just makes sense to me that you don't go – Hey, let's not put Connor in with Ferguson. Let's not put Connor in with Khabib, with Habib. Let's put Connor in with Diaz, a guy he already beat, a guy who's going to give us the most money on a pay-per-view. But this time around for Dana White and company, Mo, I think they have to offer him a lot more than a guaranteed three million, right? Which was a UFC record, uh, just last year. I think they're going to have to give him, you know, 20 to 30 million to do that. Can they do that? Do they have the money? I mean, what's going on here? I don't know. I don't think they have the money. Well, they might have the money, but at the same time, like, it's not like they're doing all that great now. You know, the stars are gone. Um, I don't know the pay-per-view guys are doing, but like they're down. They're, this is a bad year for them, you know, comparative to last year for sure. If I were them, I, would, I if I were them, I would co-promote the Polly um, Conor McGregor fight. I'd co-promote it. I I could see that fight doing more, a million and a half money, buys. You'll, you'll make more money doing that. Just co-promote it and make it a hybrid card. Try to get like Cyborg versus Cecilia Brockhouse. And try to get some, like, you know. Hey, Roy try, Jones versus uh, Anderson Silva. They've been trying to do that for a decade, right? Try to do something like that. But try to get a hybrid car like that. And then, uh, 
throw throw Diaz on there. Diaz or Adrian Broner or somebody or or Sean Porter. All right, if you add those type of you know those type of hybrid matchups, that would be a huge pay per view. I think just on its own, Connor versus Pauly actually could sell more than a million, maybe a million and a half, especially because this Floyd Connor fight probably pushes towards four four million to to, to approach the pay per view record. One point five million buys, let's say, for Connor versus Pauly when the public is now high on the idea of Connor boxing. That probably sells more than Connor versus Diaz three in MMA, correct? Or, or right around the close? I don't know. It just depends. It depends on the, on the hype because, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. I think they both probably do the same, except with the um, actually they both probably probably do about the same. Maybe Diaz versus Connor might be bigger, but actually I don't actually about the same. It just depends on the card because if you had Cyborg on the card versus Celia Brockhouse, you know, and you had you know, um, Adrian Broner versus Diaz, that oh, would yeah. sell. That would push it over. That would that would be. That push, yeah, that push it to the pipe like, is a common event, and then have those after that fight, have Diaz come out and call out um, McGregor for the trilogy fight. Bam! Now you have two million buys to your next fight. Two million buys. You know, what would happen, King Mo, if? Uh... If Connor fought Nate Diaz in a boxing match, would would that interest you? Who would you like in that one? Diaz, I think Diaz is the pressure. I think just the overall pressure. Diaz, is, Diaz would get him. When you remove the kicks, you remove you know takedowns, you remove all of that. Just just his his fast hands, his constant coming forward. Well, just yeah, just the, more than not the, just the fast hand, more than fast hands is volume. I, I don't think I don't think that um, Connor be able to deal with the volume. Especially, I, I don't think he, I don't think he's bo- people. Everyone's talking about how he's boxed so much, but I don't think he really spent much time boxing like that. I think he spent more time kicking because he never really could gauge Floyd's range or anything. Even though he was landing shots, but he was slapping with two, and he smothered himself. You know, I feel like he's more of a kickboxer than a boxer. True, true that. Uh, the other biggest headline, I mean, the biggest headline in MMA and the biggest headline in all of sports was Connor versus Floyd, but the biggest MMA headline in the week leading up was certainly John Jones getting popped for a failed test from UFC 214. This was the test taken right after the weigh-in the day before John Jones knocked out Daniel Cormier, head kick in the rematch, regains the light heavyweight championship. You suddenly have the full-on redemption story in process. Jones comes back from a loss two years, puts his career back on track. He's the greatest of all time again. He's pound for pound number one. And now, King Mo, we got some issues here because it, the report in John Jones's agent confirmed is that it's Terinabol, the, the anabolic steroid that comes in his test. But the debate is, did he take this? Was this from a tainted supplement? I, any way you slice it, this is really bad news for the legacy of John Jones. How did you take this? This What was your reaction to this? Well, I, the thing is, I was like, man, it's crazy. But... People were saying that he took a bunch of drug tests before leading up. Seven, seven that he passed. They say. From you, yeah, and I'm who not man. That's weird, you know. Like he, um, seven he passed, and all of a sudden, what was the, when was the, when was the second to last one he took? You know, I. His agent says he passed seven in a row, and then this was the final pre-fight test, the right after the weigh-in, and their their defense is if he passed seven in a row. And he didn't know when those tests were going to happen because they're random. This test he knew about. How could he possibly fail this test? There must be a they, – they're saying conspiracy. They're saying, you know, a, a wrong test, something. Is there any – I mean, how does this work? Could this be possible? Could we be – Cormier, to his credit, only wanted to say the words due process before commenting. So should we let this play out? 
that's the only way you can do because no one knows the whole no one knows anything like all, all you can do is speculate like no one knows when the tests were taken no one knows where the tests were taken prior to that all everybody knows is the pre the post fight test is one is it the post fight is the post fight or pre fight test the one that he failed was the the way in the pre fight test i don't yeah, i don't know if we have yeah. the post Okay, so people know he failed the pre-fight test, but what happens if he passed the post-fight test? That would make it interesting here. The problem here, King Mo, is that John Jones is out of uh, out of you know mercy and grace from the court of public appeals, right? Like he's 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 out of chances at this point when you consider all of the negative stuff that's happened to him outside the cage. Even if this came down to being negligent in what he's putting in his body, like let's say it was a tainted supplement or whatever, I, I don't think that even if it comes back with that, that the public will or maybe should, you know, forgive him and say, okay, you know, it was a mistake. I feel like this is like the final straw stamping down on his legacy that like you didn't, you know, you, you were the greatest of all time. You had a little two-year blip. You fixed it. I feel like now this is a permanent stain. Where do you stand on the uh, – can Jones recover from this in terms of his public image, whether it turns out good or bad in the end? Uh, I, we, I won't know, man. We won't know until we find the whole story out. Um, as far as public image, I don't know, man, because it depends on, depends on the story. It, well, it's it's bad business, obviously, for right. the UFC. Out of out of star power right now, you know, Connor just boxed. Rousey's probably never going to fight again. GSP delayed his return due to injury. Numbers down this year for pay-per-view, understandably, when, when you lose all those stars, they needed Jones more than they ever needed him to be their number one, to be their face, to be their star. Kills the, kills that regard. It kind of is certainly bad for the sport when your number one guy is now under a cloud of mystery. And if this does turn up this way for Jones, natural knee-jerk reaction is, you know, what, what was he doing his other fights? You know, like it's, it starts to stain your entire legacy but it also affects the legacy of Daniel Cormier. And King Mo, that's why people seem to get so upset. Cormier's legacy had been coming so close to the top and just missing, right? Whether it's amateur wrestling all the way up through the pros. Like, he already won the UFC title, but he didn't beat Jones to get it. Now he loses again to Jones, and now there's more cloud of mystery. How, I mean, with your Daniel Cormier, how, how are you responding? What are you feeling right now when you hear this news? Uh, confusion. I feel like I'm pretty sure he's confused. He's probably thinking, "What's going on?" You know, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that he's probably just wondering, waiting for the results of everything. You know, because right now he, if you get, he probably, you know, he's probably going crazy. You know, trying to think, what, what's going on? You know, that's the main thing. Someone let me know something. I mean, to be, you know, 38 and to 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 have the emotional trauma of of putting everything you have into that rematch, which was delayed multiple times, and then, you know, looking good the first couple of rounds and losing by a devastating knockout. Let's say this goes bad for Jones and they hand the title back to Cormier. There's always going to be those people who say, you never beat Jones. You're never our true champion. I mean, it just, it screws with his legacy in a really weird way where if we're really honest, Cormier is one of the top one, two, or three light heavyweights in MMA history. I mean, is that too far? No, it's not as far at all. He could be number one. The thing is that if I were Daniel, I wouldn't worry about what the other people have to say, like, you never beat the champion. Because those people have never fought before. True. Don't worry about what the people say, because when it's all said and done, when, we don't, the people, the public, the, the current public really doesn't make, doesn't really define your legacy. It's the people that come after you when you're done. Very you true. Of, because Very it's true, because look at Ali. When Ali was fighting, the people hated him. 
But then as he got older, the younger generation embraced him. And that then is, when he died, the future generation passed his legacy on. It's interesting. You're right. Legacies, like, it's like there's so many, there's so many athletes or artists that we appreciate so much more after they're gone and the, the legacy evolves. I mean, I think, you know, even Floyd, I think every day that Floyd's retired, we're going to love him more. Whereas right now there's so much like picking, hand picking of Floyd. You know, he should have fought this guy at this time. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, there's so much critique, tiny critique. I think every day we are removed from that. We'll appreciate him more. I'm sure the same with Cormier, regardless of this, but Jones is 30, King Mo. If this goes down and he gets suspended he's looking at either a two or four year suspension this is a dent in his career i assume he would come back from that but could he could he ever come back and be the same guy again in your eyes after taking that much time off uh i don't know it depends on if he still tries to compete and i, don't, I really don't know because you know for, if he's gonna do that he's to like do jiu-jitsu tournaments if he can do some um, wrestle with certain people. He used to box with certain people and kickbox. He used to stay sharp for two years, but you know, really to stay sharp, you have to practice and compete. So it's going to come down to his, his mind state. Yeah, you know, you look in boxing, Mikey Garcia took off two and a half years during that, that lawsuit settlement with his promoter top rank and King Mo, he come back and now he looks better than ever, right? He's top, pound for pound top 10. I guess you can stay active and stay in the gym every day, but it comes down to that mental mindset and focus. And that's something we've always criticized Jones for that everything came too easily for him. Does he have that mental mindset to stay focused for two full years, four full years, whatever it is? And turn his whole life around. I just think he's got to go back to the drawing board no matter what happens and, and just say this. If I want to be the best I can inside the cage, I've really got to clean up my life outside the cage. There could be no loose ends anymore. I mean, is there any true, any, you know, truth to the idea that when stuff comes too easy for you, it's, it's, it's hard to work your hardest to get there? Well, you know what? Um, I, I can't say things come too easy for anybody because at first things are hard. But then you, you you embrace it, you work hard to make it easy. And once it becomes easy, then that's the issue. You know, I, I feel like, you know, Jones had to work, he had to work to where he got, you know, with wrestling. Certainly. And, and pick up striking. He's evolved as a fighter, but, you know, um, I think more than anything, he said outside distractions. Outside distractions affect a lot of young, young athletes and old athletes. Actually, all athletes, outside distractions affect us all. It just depends on how you react to them. Very true. Well, what this kills is any sort of idea that people had that we were six, seven, eight months away from from what could have been the biggest fight in UFC history, John Jones versus Brock Lesnar, whether you believe that's just Connor and Floyd nonsense all over again in terms of like a circus fight or whether you really believe that was going to be a competitive fight. That seems off the books now. King Mo, we saw at SummerSlam, Brock Lesnar went over in an incredible match. Do you think this leads to Brock Lesnar re-signing with WWE after WrestleMania in April? Of course. You know, unless they want to do Brock Lesnar for stupid Myosic. He don't, don't, Brock doesn't want any of that, right? I mean, he can't take punches, right? Well, he can take punches. He doesn't like to get hit. Um, I don't know. I think Brock's going to re-sign to WWE and they're going to do something with him because now you're starting to see they're bringing in more and more athletes to try to um, – they could work with them. And, and that fatal – what what were your thoughts from that SummerSlam fatal four-way main event? Did you get a chance to catch that? You know, I I, I, I read the, the play-by-play, you know what I'm saying? Like the – I read it and I talked to some people about it because, you know, WWE, I'm not I, – I, I like them, but I bring a bond in New Japan. That's the know? real stuff. That's the shoot style that we're talking yeah. about, right? Well, to, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. To, just to fill you in real quickly – 
Brock Lesnar got put through four th- through two tables in this fatal four way main event. Had a third table dropped on him all by Braun Strowman, the six foot eight former strongman champion that they're pushing as the monster among men. Lesnar comes back after being carted off on a stretcher, ends up winning. Good booking all the way. But what this match did was put over this dude, Braun Strowman, as like the next big thing, maybe the most athletic beast they've ever seen. Have you had a chance to check out what Braun Strowman's doing the last year? Yeah, I've seen him. Um, he's come a long way. Um, in a short I, time, yeah. I wouldn't say he's the most athletic beast. Um, that goes to War Machine, Ring of Honor. You see them boys at War Machine, the tag team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those guys are athletic. <laughs> now, Brock Strowman, he's a, he's a great athlete, but um, I think that you see his psychology in the ring. I, he's come so far, man. I think he's improved um, uh, drastically. Dramatically, um, I mean, he's doing kip ups, he's doing missile drop kips, he's going off the top rope. I mean, we haven't seen guys that, you know, th- exactly. I, 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 I like what he's, I like what they're doing with him, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they, how they work him and Brock, how they book it. Well, they're going to be in the main event of No Mercy, which is the next WWE pay per view, I believe, that is uh, at the end of September, I believe. So that'll be interesting to where that goes. King Mo, did you hear though that the night before SummerSlam, when they do their NXT Takeover show, NXT, of course, WWE's like AAA promotion, right? Like their their minor league, not a, not really presented as a minor league, but it's essentially their developmental territory. Right before guys get to the main roster, they acquired Adam. Cole, baby, from Ring of Honor. Join him up with former Ring of Honor guys Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish. We got a, we got a, we have now a new faction. They defeated, they, they beat down Drew McIntyre seconds after McIntyre won the NXT championship. You excited about this infusion into the WWE roster of these Ring of Honor guys? Yeah, because Ring of Honor, I love the style that I like it better. I, I, it's like a stronger indie style. They sign, you know, you see NXT sign Leo Rush. And Dobbin Dijak too. Yes. So it's them to join that um faction. Man, it's they made the right moves, you know. Um it, it shows there's talent, you know, you can find talent in these other organizations. People fail to realize that you can find talent in Global Force, New Japan, and Ring of Honor, you know, and, and those organizations are slept on as well as Lucha Underground. All these organizations are slept on because everybody's all all they think about is um WWE. Well you have to open your eyes up, there's other talent. You know, out there. I mean, this is like the best time ever to be a wrestling fan if you're just talking about two things. One, access to seeing all kinds of wrestling around the world, and two, seeing higher quality in-ring work than we've ever seen ever. And it's not just the athleticism, it's the it's the it's pushing of boundaries. I mean, it's one thing like ECW pushed boundaries, meaning like guys look like they're going to get killed every match. You know, guys are getting busted open every match. That was a different era. This is just pushing the boundaries of what's physically possible. You know, from move to move. I mean, I've never seen stuff like this. It's incredible. I'm I'm, I'm with you right now. If, if we're going to be honest, pro wrestling is killing the game right now. Boxing, MMA, set <laughs> their game up because pro wrestling like is really killing the game and. As a matter of fact, like I reminds me after watching the last two episodes of Being the Elite to see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> those, were, those, those may have been the funniest, by the way. The, the somebody must die episodes, which, which there was a couple of them there. That, I mean, those guys are. Cease and desist is the newest one, I think. Those guys are doing great stuff. Uh, and, you know, even Dave Meltzer, the legendary uh, pro wrestling uh, reporter, he basically believes that if you're talking about the 15 best wrestlers in the world, that maybe only three of them would be in WWE right now. So that's just saying something as to the idea of what else is out there. We saw that in, in New Japan's recent G1 tournament. I mean, there's some great stuff. 
going on. Kingmo, other MMA news that we can kind of trip through here is that George St. Pierre has announced that Freddie Roach, who he's used in the past, the Hall of Fame boxing trainer, as his boxing coach, will work his corner for the Michael Bisping fight, UFC 217, November, MSG in New York. Does this mean we're going to see a, a, a full-time boxing performance from GSP in the cage there against Bisping? Is that his best path to victory? Uh, I mean, I'll say I don't know because how long, how long has GSP been removed from the cage now? Oh, my God. It's going back almost four full years. When he comes back, it'll basically be four full years. Uh, uh, he can, you know, I, I just don't know because Bisping's been um, these different fighters that he was four years ago. Better skilled, bigger, stronger, um, far more confident, and uh, he's still fresh, man. He's the champ, so he's, he's going to have a different mindset. George has been out for four years. I'm pretty sure he's like, Am I, do I still have it? Let's find out. Um, I don't know. This can be an interesting one. I, right now, I feel like the favorite is Bisping. Actually, I feel like he's a big favorite. Well, he is bigger. He has been much more active compared to GSP. That's the thing. I mean, we're all assuming GSP is just going to turn back the clock, right? Like four years never happened. I mean, he is a, a high candidate to be able to do so effectively because he keeps himself in great shape. He's so focused. I mean, his, you know, part of his legacy is the fact that he's so mentally maniacal to every tiny detail, but Father Time doesn't lie, and inactivity doesn't lie, and he's moving up in weight. I think that goes a long way in making this a really interesting matchup, even if it sort of, you know, we criticized how we got here in terms of the UFC decision-making. When all is said and done, this will be an interesting match inside the cage. I want to see if maybe, you know, GSP just decides, hey, I'm just going to box. I'm going to be quick. I'm going to use that jab. Remember when I basically broke Josh Koscheck's eye with just the jab that time in Toronto? Maybe I'll do that all over again. That'll be interesting. Will be interesting because you know Bisping has probably have a, has probably has a longer reach, or if not the same reach. Um, Bisping moves more, moves more, he moves better laterally, and he's, he's not a bull. He's like he's not a bull. He can he can uh, play he can play the bull and he can play the mouse. He can play cat and mouse. Um, I don't know. It's just gonna be interesting. You look at GSP's last three fights in the UFC, last three four fights in the UFC. Um, didn't look this. He didn't look. You can tell he looked a little older and looked yes. a little burned out. I mean, he was um, lucky to beat Hendricks in that split decision, which led to his, which led to him walking away, where he was, you know, obviously concussed in the post-fight interviews, and he was basically just like, "I need a break." I mean, we haven't really gotten the explanation, King Mo, at why he stepped away, right? Like people are speculating different areas. He didn't like the drug testing culture in the UFC, a couple other things, but it seemed like, if anything, he needed a mental break. Well, that mental break turned into four years. Yeah, it, it could be. It could have been that. It could have been that he, him, he didn't get along with uh, Dana White and Lorenzo. You know? True. You know, because true. now he's coming back, but those four years while he was gone, he hinted about coming back, teased about coming back, but they could never get anything going. Now they're under new management, and he's coming back. Very interesting situation. Uh, other news, a previously announced fight, October 7th, Las Vegas UFC 216, is an interim lightweight championship bout between Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee. Pretty good fight on paper. The key thing here, both guys are saying King Mo, and they were in Vegas this past week to hype this fight, that this is for the real championship. They're basically saying screw Connor. This is this interim belt is the real belt because we're active, we're top contenders, we want to find out who's the best in this division. Do they have a point? I mean, you know, with Connor basically now being a, coming up on a full year outside of the away from the Octagon after winning the title, does Connor when Connor has a belt, does it even matter anymore? I mean, honestly, I don't know, man, because the interim title, I don't know what these, like, what's, what's Ferguson ranked? 
he's basically number one because you know Habib pulled out of their their interim fight in March and, and has been out with Ramadan and all that. So it's almost like Ferguson's the number one guy. I mean, he's won like what nine in a row. He's the guy right now, be, beside behind, behind Connor. So who's okay? So behind after Ferguson, who's there? It's Nurmagomedov. They just couldn't make the hey. fight early enough. Habib wanted the fight in December. They wanted this title fight to headline in October for Vegas. So that's what we're doing here. Okay, but then after Habib, who's there? You know, Nate Diaz is certainly lingering. There's, uh, you know, Eddie Alvarez coming off of that, that, you know, in, that kind of controversial win over Poirier is lingering. Because the rankings all, to me, just seem, they seem, it's weird, it's weird. you know, like, like um, you know, with my, you know, I think it's Kevin Lee because he's a great competitor, but who did he beat to get this Exactly. Time? You know, he beat Michael Chiesa and it was a, it was a con- somewhat, somewhat controversial finish with the, with the tap out where, where he had him in a choke. It just feels too early for Kevin Lee, if that's what you're trying to say. I would agree for that. It's just, because I, cause what was Chiesa ranked? Because I don't understand, like, the UFC's rationale, because they have these rankings, but, like, how do you get a title shot? It doesn't seem like there is any rationality more, and that's part of the uh, the criticism of why this fight is happening. It's almost like they're saying, okay, Habib, you're not ready. We don't care. We need a pseudo-title fight to headline this card to make this card matter. So once again, we'll float another interim title out there. But the interesting thing is, though, you know, let's say Connor takes the rest of the year off. Then they have a point. That would be a, more than a full year since that title has been defended. I mean, Connor will hijack your division, right? We saw that in featherweight. We're seeing that again in lightweight. It's very interesting. We don't know if Connor's going to come back and fight Nate. What if he rematches Holloway for the featherweight belt? I mean, he's going to have options, and it just kind of leaves divisions getting hijacked, kind of like what Bisping's doing at middleweight. Hey, UFC, you got a title problem here, right? Like, make these rankings count and matter. It's always like they're putting the idea of following rankings up against the idea of selling and like you said in the end it's entertainment so selling's gonna win well i don't think Connor can go to 145 on top of that like the rankings are just they just have the rankings for ego you know what i'm saying it has some, i think the rankings are just for ego and for for people for them to like have create some type of buzz um and marketing but really they pick and choose they want to have a title shot because Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee was ranked what before when, when Kevin Lee fought Kiesa, what were they both ranked they were right on the outside right on the back end of the top 10 basically Okay, so then, you know, one guy wins and now it's a title shot, which, you know, my hat, I'm glad he's getting one because, you know, he can get paid, he can win the belt, but like, what about Gaethje? Well, Gaethje got hooked up with Alvarez for the ultimate fighter. They're going to be coaches. So it was like they made that decision too quickly, right? Because wouldn't yeah. Eddie Alvarez yeah. against, against Ferguson probably be a better choice in terms of who's most deserving? Well, well, how about this? Like, they could, they could have Kevin Lee fight, fight Ferguson. You know what I'm saying? They could have Gaethje fight, uh, Alvarez, the winner, the winner of that, the winner of those two, fights the belt. Yep, but then they don't have a title fight for for two sixteen, and it comes down to business. It's all it's it's tough. It it is very tough. You don't, uh, you don't have to fight. title fights don't mean much. You think you get Dustin Poirier versus Diaz? Title fights shouldn't mean that much, but to them, that's how they sell it, right? They don't want to float out a pay per view with no title, and then it does you know two hundred thousand buys, and then they're like you know whatever. But uh, King Mo Saturday night was Conor Floyd, but you know who was not watching was Ronda Rousey because she was getting married in Las Vegas to UFC heavyweight Travis Brown, her long her fiance, longtime, you know, boyfriend. But the key here, King Mo, is is not that we think she's coming back to the UFC, because I don't think any of us think she is. 
The key storyline involving Rousey in real life right now is, is she on her way to the WWE? And the reason why is because this week on the WWE Network, they will debut a tournament for women called the May Young Classic 32 Women Single Elimination Tournament that was filmed back in G- July. The only match that was not filmed is the finals, which will air live in September. The reason why Rousey's a part of that, King Mo, is because she was in Orlando in the front row for the tapings with her four horsewomen, former MMA training partners, because Shayna Baszler, of course, former MMA pioneer on the women's side, is a part of this Mae Young Classic and does really well in it. And while Rousey was in the crowd during the tapings, she started talking trash to the NXT WWE version of the four horsewomen, and it looked like they were already booking an angle. Now there's rumors that Rousey is probably training. I had Triple H on this same podcast a couple weeks ago. He didn't he didn't say she is, but he also didn't say she's not, you know, getting ready to come to WWE. It feels like it's going to happen. Do you think this is a good move for her in her life right now? I think it's a great move. I think that she's been training already. You know, I saw a, video, a little clip of her years ago, like hitting the ropes, like with the just playing around with Shayna Baszler while she's doing MMA. I think it's a great move for her. Um, I think that it'll, it'll, you know, I think it's a great look. I think they'll work. I think that the storyline. Is a great storyline as well. Right. I mean, she's a believable shoot fighter that she could take any of one in there and put him in an arm bar. I mean, it's believable, right? Yeah, it's believable. But at the same time, like, even though she's come off losses, she doesn't look too invincible. So they could actually have they could actually have her putting other women over as well. That's a good if, point. If she came in looking like cyborg, like, then who's going to beat her? But now that she shows some vulnerability in her past few fights. It would believable for her to lose. That can know, make, that's, a, that's some baby face booking right there, right? I mean, we've seen her. She's going to have to answer to the fact that she's been knocked out twice in a row. I mean, you could almost work that into the storyline. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I, I think I think that um, this this right here is, is will, be a, will be a game changer. Straight up. I think it will, you know, and, and, and Shayna Baszler has been interviewed on, on MMA fighting and she's like, you know, I can't tell you, I'm not, con- I'm not confirming that Ronda's going into wrestling, but she said if Ronda does, she's going to put everything she has into it. Like it's not going to be, I'm just going to op- make an appearance in WrestleMania and some like mixed tag team. Like this is going to be a full time thing. And I think it helps King Mo that her four horsewomen training partners are all in wrestling now. Baszler is, is in the WWE system. You have Jessamine Duke is now training to be a wrestler and, and Marina Schaffer, the, the Fourth one is is engaged to Roddy Strong, former Ring of Honor guy, now part of NXT, and she's been part of like the the vignettes and, and the storyline around his life. If your best friends are all getting into it, it's probably you know a good chance that you might join them. I, I, you know what? I, just from her personality and know, seeing her being a wrestler fan, going to PWG shows, she's doing it. <laughs> she's got the swag, the natural sort of like. Like, like she could just, she, you know, with the facial expressions, like, I feel like she's already got some of that theatrics built in that she's going to need. I mean, we don't know if she can, you know, deliver a scripted promo yet, but I feel like there's some built in things that are already there for her. You know what? I think, I think that she'll be great. Um, promos, she don't have to really cut promos. She just actually talk like she's doing like, like an interview for an MMA fight. Yeah. You I mean, which, which are basically, yeah. I mean, they were almost pro wrestling esque, oh, you know? Exactly. So I, I think that. I'm excited for her to, to showcase her skills in the wrestling ring. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's big business. And, I mean, there's there's always been talk because, you know, this is a women's revolution, quote-unquote, that we're going through in pro wrestling, especially on WWE side. They're pushing women's matches as more legit and real than ever before. It's not like Braun Panty's era anymore. So every woman I interview, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, all of them, their goal is to one day have a women's match main event WrestleMania. King Mo, if that's going to happen, 
why not have like Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair, right? I mean, that's the kind of match that maybe could one day actually headline a WrestleMania. I, I think it, I think it could, or they could have, a, or they could have like a, um, a lumberjack match of some sort, have or a, a eight man tag. That'd be great. Absolutely. I mean, we saw Ronda at WrestleMania 31 when she came in with The Rock, you know, hip tossing Triple H and Stephanie. I mean, it, it looked real. I, I think that's where we're going. Other quick news as we round out here, King Mo, is that Holly Holm has spoke publicly, told ESPN that she's targeting a December return, and it could be against Chris Cyborg Justino for that UFC women's featherweight title. This is probably the sexiest quote unquote matchup you can make for this title. I mean, Cyborg, Holly Holm, name value right. But Holmes like one in four in her last four fights, and the win was kind of a a setup win against Betch Kohea, somebody who just comes forward and walks into shots. Is Holmes actually deserving if they make this, or does that not even matter anymore? Don't matter, man. You know what? With Cyborg, they just let her fight whoever she wants. I'd really personally, I would see Cyborg versus Celia Brockhouse um, in boxing. Yeah, I mean Cecilia's. I mean she's like almost Mayweather like in the grounds of women's boxing in terms of her reputation. And you and you've seen um, Cyborg sparring and training with um, Clarissa Shields, who's the 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 best female boxer, like or second best female boxer right now, um, or one of the top female boxers. Because you have the Toronto sisters, um, you have uh, Brockhouse, you know, there's some you know there's some skilled women out there. But I always mind seeing Cyborg um, fight Cecilia because she's been training with um, with uh, she's been training with uh, Clarissa, so. I think it'd be interesting to see those clips of training as well. Absolutely. Now, now Holmes' losses, just to give her a little bit of, of, of respect, are obviously been in big fights, right? Like, lost a title fight to Tate, lost to Shevchenko, who's going to fight for a title pretty soon, lost to Durandamy in, in a boring title fight. Do you think this version of Holly Holm at 35, I believe she is, can go over the top and, and beat Cyborg? Or is this just, is she being set up to be the big name B-side B opponent? I think she, she could. She's a great team. She's, because of a good game plan, but Cyborg is just so, so big, so strong. She, 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 her fight IQ's gone up. She's very aggressive with the kicks. She understands boxing as well. Um, she can wrestle. She can grapple. <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be an uphill battle, but it can't. You know, she's proven that she can pull off the upset. So anything's possible. King Mo, we like to close with our favorite game, What's It Look Like? Talking about fantasy matchups, talking about what-ifs here. King Mo, Conor McGregor's always talking about daring to be great and doing big things, and we're all targeting him to come back against maybe Nate Diaz, right? I mean, I threw out Holloway, but you made a good point. Why would he cut down to featherweight? He's always looking for the big money fights. There's been talk about GSP. One name he likes to throw out a lot is moving up to welterweight to fight Tyron Woodley. They even have been on camera before kind of talking trash to each other. What would that actually look like, McGregor Woodley at welterweight? Well, it would be hmm, picture Floyd versus Connor with more power shots and takedowns. So you like you like Woodley in this one? Woodley's walk him down. What's Connor going to do to keep him off him? I mean, Woodley's boxing is legit. He actually just tweeted out yesterday at Dana White saying, "Hey, you got more UFC champions in your in your stable right now that could go over to boxing and do a lot of damage." That would be a tough matchup for Connor. It's like you love that he always dares to be great and, and is always trying to think, you know, upwards and, and who's the next guy can try to fight for more money. But man, when you add in Woodley's boxing with that takedown ability, that's trouble. Well, Woodley, Woodley will beat him, but the thing is, for for anybody in MMA, that, you know, if it be it's different. You know, Connor found the right person to fight. Floyd's come off a layoff. He's a little older. Not it's smaller as well. 
But for Connor, you know, for any other champion or any of the MMA fighter to cross over, you're fighting real killers now. Like, say, say, um, you know, um, Woodley wanted to go over to 168. He's gonna face real killers like Gilberto Ramirez, you know, um, Jesse Hart. Those guys are killers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Say somebody at 205 wants to cross over and fight at cruiserweight light heavyweight. At cruiserweight, you have Alexander Usyk, who's a killer. Heavyweight, you got you got killers like Deontay Wilder. You have um, Anthony Joshua. You have Luis Ortiz. That's when things get dangerous because you're facing killers. You're not, there's no guys that there's no guys with big enough names that could be like you know what I'm gonna come back after the two year layoff and box an MMA fighter. There's no name. There's no other guys like that besides Floyd right now. Very very good point. Number two on what's it look like this week if John Jones does get removed of the UFC lightweight championship if he's headed toward tr- or light heavyweight championship if he's headed toward trouble and the belt does go back on Cormier then the fight you would think would be make most sense is do a rematch Cormier Alexander Gustafson they fought in 2015 great fight split decision win for Cormier what would a rematch look like Kingmo any different in your eyes uh well Gustafson's gotten better I think Daniel still wins but if I were Daniel I'd be like you know what let me fight Stipe Miocic let me wow. get a big Super fight, super fight. Let me get a big payday. Yeah, you know why not? Daniel's been, been he's fight everybody. You know he we, uh, his best weight class to me honestly was a heavyweight. Let's put him back to heavyweight and fight Stipe and get paid. All right, you just changed the equation for me. Let's 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 talk about that. Can what does Cormier's wrestling look like against Stipe's if he if he can avoid the big punches and get inside on him? All right, he'll avoid the big punches. Daniel beats Stipe. Um, he'll put he'll put pressure on him. He'll avoid the big punches. He'll take him down. Wear him out, and he'll beat him. There you go. There you go. That that would be that. You know, I hadn't think I wasn't using my promoter hat well enough there. That is, you know, because what what was Dana White's reaction as soon as this Jones news hit? He was like, "Well, there goes the idea of what we were trying to do, which was put Jones against uh, against Stipe in Detroit, you know, later this fall." And that was sort of like, "Wow, you were really going there." Why not Cormier in that spot? Very interesting. He did look great at heavyweight. To close, what's it look like this week, Kingbo? Uh, Ryan Bader is the Bellator light heavyweight champion, having, uh, won a, a, you know, somewhat boring decision in his, in his rematch with Phil Davis at the, uh, Bellator NYC card. Kingmo, you were supposed to have been on that card. What would it look like if you fought Ryan Bader for the Bellator championship? It would have been the exact opposite of when he fought, uh, Davis, cause I would brought the fight to him. You know, um, I'm more, I'm more aggressive. I think it would have been a better fight. I think I would have won, you know, but, uh, hopefully the fight, the fight will happen, uh, sooner than later. That's what we're talking about. King Mo, man, we we chopped it up, chopped it down this week. Uh, a crazy week in, in, in sports, considering that we had one fight that crossed over boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. But Connor Floyd is now behind us. We can focus on the future of MMA. We can focus on the future of boxing now with Triple G Canelo coming up. You fired up for that? I'm fired up for that, and I got Canelo. <laughs> yes. we. <laughs> interesting, interesting. All right, we will be talking about that in the weeks ahead on this MMA show, which crosses over into all kinds of combat sports and beyond. King Mo, they can still follow you at, at, at King Mo FH on Twitter if they want to, right? Yeah, but I think that we should we should make a, a, a like a Twitter t- like you know a Twitter account for this podcast because you know I'm like a lot. This is amazing. I'm, <laughs> This is fun, man. Well, we, well, I'll tell you, I love having you on here. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're, this is an MMA show, but we're talking about whatever's coming to our minds here. King Mo bringing it, always. <laughs> you're bringing it, you know what I'm saying? I, I, you're the man, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate you having me on the show and let me be part of this thing. This is great. Good stuff. Follow me on Twitter at bcampbellcbs. And, you know, DM slides are open. Come and send your questions for me. Send your questions for King Mo. We will answer them on the show for sure. For myself, for King Mo. 
Enjoy the week, everybody. Kimo, you got any message to the fans on the way out? Hey, go out there, be supportive. Y'all make sure y'all tune in. If y'all watch Floyd Connor, watch Canelo Triple G, watch Bellator, watch Titan, watch UFC, watch it all. Yeah, watch my guy An- Andrew Spartan Koreshkov who had a big knockout on Bellator Friday night for sure. That's my guy right there. We'll see his career moving forward. But that's for the end of this this week. We got two words for the general public. We out.